traditional tabletop and live-action role-playing games through the lens of horror. A special thank you to Patreon for helping make this podcast possible. Settle in, Thin Bloods. Grab a drink and your favorite set of dice, and let the darkness consume you. Thank you for listening to the Gehenna Gaming Podcast. My name is Mark, also known as Marcosius. Thank you so much for, for listening to this episode. I'm really excited because I'm very pleased to be hosting the masterminds behind this exciting art punk OSR game that we are all gushing about called Murkborg. Pelle Nelson is a writer and game developer for Occult Ortmaster Games, and Johan Norr is a designer, writer, and member of the art collective Stockholm Cartel. Together, they developed a splatterhouse doom metal game that has captured the attention and imagination of tabletop players everywhere. Murkborg swept the 2020 Any Awards with uh, Product of the Year Gold. Best Layout and Design Gold, Best Writing Gold, and Best Game Silver. That is friggin' impressive. Uh, it's a lot of Ennies. They just released the Kickstarter for the PutraSense Regnant, a Merkborg album and dungeon crawl collaboration between Stockholm Cartel, Occult Orchmaster Games, uh, Games Omnivorous, and Exalted Funeral. And you can check out all the Doom, Gloob, and Merkborg gaming resources on Merkborg.com. That's M O. R-K-B-O-R-G dot com. Thank you so much for joining us, Pele and Johan. Hi, thank you for having us here. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> nice ab- absolutely. It, you know, we, I was just explaining to you earlier that we just finished our Saturday night one-shots episode of Merkborg on our Twitch channel, and we had an absolute blast. So I want to thank you for developing this game. Well, thank you for playing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks. So how did it go? Maybe you don't want to spoil it, actually. So I'll 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 have to watch it later. Well, I I gotta I gotta say it's one of those games. I'm I uh I I have a tendency to, I have a tendency to play kind of darker run kind of darker games. So this this game really spoke to me. Um, <laughs> and we went we went all in, and it was an absolute blast. The game itself was involving, um, a bastard of the Shadow King, whose uh, whose name was the the Dead Prince Pele. And his um, attempt in trying to court the Blood Countess and and our players kind of got caught up between that kind of love affair between the two. Oh, wonderful! And, yeah, it got weird. It got dark, and there was a lot of there was a lot of uh, a lot of uh, blood and gore and carnage and laughs. We loved it. <laughs> That's what it usually yeah. ends up. Oh, nice. Uh- so I want to get started. I want to, I want to get kind of an, an idea on, on how how you two how you two met. How long have you known each other? Oh, for about what is it? A little bit, maybe a little bit more than two years. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty crazy actually because we have only met in person. I think maybe six or seven times. Could that be uh, correct? Or less, maybe or less, five or six times. I think something yeah. like that. So we, you know, that's such a that's, that used to be such a weird thing, but now in, in well, nowadays, yeah, sure. days, it's such a such a normalized situation. But you guys, yeah. I mean, are you are you in different countries or just kind of far away, or is it kind of one of those situations where we're so busy all the time? 
No, it's uh, Johan lives in, in the countryside. It's two hours, two hours or something from where I live. But uh, mm. yeah, we are we've been kind of busy and uh, so on. So we've only met but five it, or six times. So, yeah, and it's also because like we we kind of met and uh, got involved in like doing. The, our previous the previous game that we made called Barkexan, and so we didn't really know each other before then, and we figured out we found out that we worked well together, and so we decided to collaborate on Mercury as well, which was a game that uh, Pele was making. It's so. pretty great when you find like a, a good team member that you can really collaborate with, and you you end up developing a shorthand, and you both get excited about kind of where things go. It's great having yeah. like that. Yeah, totally. Like we work similar and uh, different ways. Like we complement each other, I think. Well, yeah. But one thing that is similar is that we work quite fast. It's not like if I say I fix that tonight, uh, I fix that tonight, and not yeah. uh, in two weeks or something. Uh, so we can trust each other in in that way. So that's very good, and yeah, yeah, we want to finish. We want to finish things. Uh, you know, we don't uh, like to. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's like that. Uh, we both yeah. want to finish things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think when we yeah. w once we start working on something, like we're pretty. Like I want to say professional is the wrong word, but like we're really focused on like yeah. to get get it done, you know. Um, so it's it's, it's Mark Boy was made. I think it took a year or so, maybe, to do the entire thing, and that was a quite the race to do that. But it was it was a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah, and, and there's I like to I like to kind of joke around that that you know. Uh, with with Ge with Gehenna Gaming, we work fairly quickly ourselves, and we're 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 pretty organized because we have to. Because otherwise, if it doesn't exist in a calendar, it doesn't really exist to me. Um, if it's not in a list or like a, a workflow chart, like I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and being that organized helps, but I think what helps even more so is lack of sleep, a lot of coffee, and like <laughs> self punishment and workaholism. <laughs> Definitely, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Ob obsession and mania helps too. So, oh my god, yeah, yeah, yeah. You like get obsessed with a thing. You're like, okay, I really, I can't stop working on this thing. No, mm, it's especially right. especially true with this game. Now it's it's been taking over our lives <laughs> totally, and it's yeah. it's a, it's a lot of fun, of course. Uh, but it's very evident that this is what you know our lives revolve around right now. So it's <laughs> awesome. Your your fans too, like the 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 Merkboard, the Merkboard community, are also very passionate about Merkboard. Oh and yeah. Finding running into them, I've been I've been lurking your, quietly lurking your Discord for a while, um, and they are so into this game. I know it, it's yeah. incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's fantastic. I mean, um, uh. It, that was one of the design goals, I think, that it should be easy to bring to the table. And it is. Uh, and people uh, yeah, enjoy it. And uh, yeah, it's amazing to see, you know, every week uh, we see people that play the game and uh, put up some photos on 
Facebook or somewhere else, and uh, from the you know the gaming session, and it's fantastic. I I, I haven't seen anything like this before. <laughs> I'm not no. trying to brag or something, but uh, it's it's really amazing. And it's also like there, there's an itch jam going on right now that's that's fully yeah. you know run by the community, and like we we we're not involved at all in it, which is truly incredible. That's wild. I, I feel like that's kind of the dream state of developing a game where it becomes, it creates a life of its own through the fandom. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah but we, from the, in, from the beginning, we said that we only make this core book and yeah. then we like disappear. Something else. Yeah. <laughs> but it, uh, since the feedback we got from lots of people, it's, impossible to stop working with Merkborg things. It's... So that was an early yeah. decision, in other words, like the the, com- the compatible with Merkborg kind of community content uh, idea, which you released, I don't know, it was a couple of weeks ago, I think, when you kind of released the statement that, hey, mm-hmm. this is how you can use Merkborg, and this is how you can publish this stuff as community content. This is kind of the the what to do and what not to do, what's allowed and what's not allowed. Um, but you really gave it to the community. And that, that was an early choice. No, not, not that specifically, but like the idea that it was going to be easy to hack and easy to make stuff. And because at first we have this, had this uh, Merkborg cult thing, which we still have, by the way, it's just that when, when people send us a lot of things, um, we want to make, we, you know, we want to pull, put the effort into make it as good as possible. And that, does take time from us. Yes. So the like queue builds up a lot, and we get you know uh, uh, we feel like we they deserve to be you know published faster. And so yeah, this, you, yeah, you estimated the queue to like one and a half year or something, and it's mm-hmm. it's not very. <laughs> if you, I mean, if you made a class and you want to have it published. For Merkbo Cult, it's not very fun to wait for one and a half no. years. That, that <laughs> no. was uh, one, uh, one of the reasons uh, we, yeah, we made this party license so yeah. people, people don't have to wait. That's great. You can do it yourself. Yeah. Or like we, we don't have to be this, uh, uh, oh, what's it called? Flaskals in English. The <laughs> like a, like a, like a cut, like content kind of manager to ensure like a certain yeah. kind of quality and like the bottleneck in the whole process so that p- people get discouraged from sending us stuff because it takes so long uh, so this this way you can just release it however you want and also you can um, you know make money from it which is something that would be more of a i don't know it, it was more difficult for us to handle with the cult because it it, it it requires much more of us, you know, um, administration and everything. So this way is just, yeah. you know, it's up to you. Just do do what you want. And and the things we've seen so far, that there were the first third party license that came up was the same evening or the day after or something like that. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, I think there are about yeah a couple of kickstarters coming up around mm-hmm. Halloween or something like that. And those things looks extremely good. very well laid out and very good writing and stuff like that so that's, yeah yeah that's amazing will, there's, there's, back, there's some real talent yeah i will be a backer so. <laughs> <laughs> Mer- Mer- Merkborg yeah. always calls your calls your name from from the depth <laughs> of 
some dark and shadow somewhere. <laughs> so I want to I want to get I've got a couple of questions here uh, to talk about the specifics of Morgborg. But before we get into that, I want to know a little bit of how you got involved with tabletop gaming development. Oh, yeah, yeah you go first. Uh, OK. I was uh, playing a lot of uh, tabletop role playing games in the mid 80s. 35 years ago or something like that. Yeah, around 1985. And uh, from there, I really started to develop my own games because I saw a lot of flaws in the game. <laughs> little, little, little boy, I was about 10 years old or something. <laughs> so I wanted, to make, I wanted to make games on my own. And from there, it started. And yeah. I quit playing role playing games for maybe 15 years between 95 and 2010 or something like that. But yeah, that that's how it started for me. I always wanted to create things on my own. Uh, you know, put take something from here and something from there, and the the parts I like and. Uh, try to make a new game out of it. And uh, I mean, the, the OSR movement now is perfect for that kind of approach. Mm. Yeah, yeah, where you can kind of create something your own using some of the some of the good parts of some older games and maybe some revolutionary parts of new systems that you're kind of creating yourself. Yeah, yeah. I was just I was just thinking about it because I don't know. I've been uh, playing role playing games for maybe twenty years or something, uh, but I haven't been like creating my own games as much as content for it because I was always the I'm like the eternal game master, you know. And as, as some people are, and as such, I had to like always make my own adventures and rules hacks and whatever and so i think that was the route that i took and i don't know i've been like freelancing as a graphic designer and artist more than a game you know content developer and so i think that's sort of my angle on it yeah so so johan you had kind of more of like a, a art yeah um, kind of graphic design kind of background and that's something that goes hand in hand with tabletop gaming whereas Whereas Pele, you 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 kind of are, are a little bit more involved in in you know some of the the system and the mechanics and and kind of creating your own uh, stories and 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 creating your own mechanics. Well, well, Johan, you're kind of putting more, this yeah. this image together. Exactly, yeah. and I think that describes our uh, different like jobs in this project as well. Even though we we mix in between or. Um, yes. But I, I don't know. I was I've been freelancing for Free League for a bit, uh, and that's also how I think we got published by them because we knew them from before, and we just sent them a question like, "Hey, can you you want to publish this game?" And and that was fun because they said yes. <laughs> then the and I, I only think they saw about ten spreads yeah. or something like that. Yeah, maximum. One just hit. Yes. Oh wow, yeah. <laughs> that wasn't a bad. So you can't you can't you can't look at you can't look at, at uh, Merkborg and, and and look at this game without really thinking about metal, right? Yeah. Do metal, black metal. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of of um, 
first wave and second wave um, black metal. Um, you know, looking at certain albums, a lot of them are concept albums, obviously. Um, but if you were to have like a, a a dream album of any band, of any of the the metal um, subgenres, which would be the best in your opinion to turn into kind of a, a TTRPG module based on that album? Wow, good question. Should, uh, yeah, yeah a, can I start? Or, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, for me, it would be. You know, like a, a true black and white, uh, harsh uh, <laughs> kind of role-playing game, like the second wave of uh, the Nor Norwegian black metal movement, uh, especially Dark Throne kind of uh, uh, thing. Uh, you know, deep forests and uh, and uh, mountains and uh, snow and. Uh, I've seen some games or set and settings trying to get there, but uh, I've not. And some of them are really good, but I haven't seen the you know the perfect <laughs> game yet or or setting. Yeah, and I feel like Fenris and Nocturno really have a way of it capturing kind of the 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 imagery and and the feeling that I find so synonymous with. With black metal, especially you know second wave Norwegian black metal. I mean, a lot of people think of of mayhem, obviously for obvious reasons. Yes. But but I mean, when you look at Dark Throne, that is looking at it retrospectively, retroactively, especially with Fenris's um, you know encyclopedic knowledge of the genre. I mean, it's understandable why they why Dark Throne encompasses black metal. And they are also two guys doing everything. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah just two right and they, they... <laughs> so yeah it, it's no quite no the identify with them yeah how about yeah. how about <laughs> how about for you which which album would you would you i don't know it's so it's kind of hard to just pinpoint one and you want to do something you know uh something new with it something fresh it's, i don't know I like for well uh, I'm sorry if I'm interrupting you. Oh, go if ahead, you want to say, yeah. Uh, for me, Mark Borges, lyric-wise, I think the mysterious Dom Satanas uh, with the Mayhem album, with uh, Pelle, Pelle Dedolin's lyrics, is very close to the thing I wanted to do with Mark Borg. And uh, yeah, the book is also dedicated dedicated to uh, Pelloline. Uh, it's on a page in the book. Uh, some people haven't found it yet, but it's it's there. Uh, so that, lyric-wise, that album is the most important for me. Music-wise, I think uh, it's some early Dark Throne album, maybe under a funeral moon or uh, Transylvanian hunger, I think. Uh, I think it's... it's was, was that the answer to your question? I don't remember the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. I, th I think it's fun because it's yeah. such a mix of different styles since it we is. both work on it. Yeah. Like, I think because you came more from the like, black metal part, and I think I was at least 
I was so focused on doom metal and like drone metal at the time, at least when we were uh, making this game. So I would say for me, it would be more like a bong ripper album or, you know, sun or something uh, like that. Um, But also like, like intermingled with all these uh, black metal bands, of course, but that sort of soundscape that, that it creates. I, I have to mention one very important album, which I've mentioned before, but uh, it's uh, the first Cathedral album. Oh, yeah. uh, the UK band with Lidorian on vocals and uh, the first album called Forest of Equilibrium. Uh, that was really important when I did the book. <clears throat> And I think it tra- I think I think that translates really well too. You know, I mean, if the game itself, like we we just played our game last night, and there were, you know, a couple of 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 you know, uh, tilt of my hat um, to to Mayhem in particular. The print, Dead Prince Pele, obviously, not just because you you know um, one of your names is Pele, but more specifically because I did find that page, the dedication to to Dead, um, and. It, this game feels very much like um, mayhem lyrics overlaid with you know Sun O's sound with like yeah. a a death metal um, album cover. Yeah, sure. I mean, there's lots of you know uh, death and uh, sludge and stuff as well in there. Yes, Mortis uh, albums, the first ones are really good. Uh, yeah, with the, the, the chamber music that he did. Yes. Yeah, pre-smell of rain. <laughs> um, yeah. So, can you let's let's talk let's let's dive into Morkborg, okay? Let, uh, can you explain what Morkborg is all about for those who might not have heard about it? Um, sure. It's a uh, rules light, uh, super grim, dark uh, fantasy role-playing game about a terrible world that is ending uh, irrevocably. And you play as uh, you know tr- treasure hunting heretics and bastards who try to do something like either try to find the last treasures in this world or try to stop this apocalypse. Uh, spoiler alert: you will fail. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. And it's a big like it's it's super grim and it's super dark, but it's also a lot of humor in it. So that, that's that's kind of important to mention. Uh, very important. Very important to mention the the humor uh, part. Uh, you know the distance. Uh, yeah, it doesn't take itself. We have, when we wrote the game, I mean, we are not, we are really energetic oh, no. guys, <laughs> um, laughing a lot and stuff like that. We are not uh, um, doing rituals out in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, don't, we don't take it too seriously, this whole thing. Like, we want to have a good time with it, but respectfully to the you know genre and everything. But Still, like everyone wants to have a good time when we play it, so that's that's kind of the idea. It's like someone someone compared yeah someone compared it to like um, the Army of Darkness, the role playing game, <laughs> like that kind of vibe, you know. <laughs> or, that was uh, that was very good, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's correct. Uh, but so yeah, that's basically it, and um, it's. It's super easy, I would say, to make up stuff for it, uh, both content for you to play with, but also like rulings on the fly, because it's it's specifically specifically designed to be uh, like interpreted uh, at the table and 
very loose around the edges. And, and that, yeah, and when you say that, it's important to mention that the one, some of the um, most important things to do after the core book for us was to make those generators mm. to make it even more easy to play. Like the, yeah, the uh, character gen generator made by Carl Reed and uh, the uh, dungeon, dungeon generator. So, so that, that, it, that, it, uh, mm. it, yeah, that was uh, very important for us to release quite early yeah. after the core, core book. Yeah, yeah and, and those, those are valuable too for players. But I yeah. think like random tables generally in, in general is a big deal and big part of this game because um, like you as a game master want to be surprised as well when you play. Like you, yes. you don't want to have all the answers uh, all the time. So it's very like unpredictable in a way, this whole game. And also like at, as because as you play, for those who are not familiar, you every day you roll a die, and if that's a one, one of these miseries happen, which is like ways of the world, the ways of the world is, is ending. And you don't, you as a game master, you don't really know what will happen that day. Like it, it could be like all the water turns to tar, you know. So you have to think of something creative. What that means as you play, so you never, you you, you can't you can't really know that the world, what the world will be like, even as you play. So. It helps with the the random nature of tabletop in general. Um, yeah, as yeah. a GM, you can. I'm I'm a I'm an ardent planner, um, and oftentimes players will surprise every planner. And this game <laughs> makes it easy for you to kind of like stay on your toes and be nimble. Yeah, yeah. we wanted to make uh, tables for the GM to be surprised as well, um, and uh, all. It's very important the world the word uh, optional <laughs> that we use mm. in the core book. Uh, yeah. So that it's you know it's not mandatory to use those tables, but if I mean to uh, we want everyone to keep an open mind, and if you have better ideas ideas when than we had, uh, go ahead and use that instead. So uh, lots of tables are very optional. Yeah, half the rules in the book are optional, and also yeah. like all the all the stuff that's on the on the web and downloadable from our, our website is also just optional. So you don't have to feel like oh, this is you know rules is written. You have to use it. So just go ahead and plug whatever module in that you want to use. Yeah, that's inviting for for new players, to not just new players uh, to to Merkborg, but also new players to tabletop in general who may feel yeah. that. Feel that pressure of of okay, D and D has quite a lot of rules, and I got to make sure I know all of them, and and you know not look stupid in front of the other players. This game allows you to say, okay, well, all the rules essentially that you need to know are on one page. You really need oh, to yeah. know essentially is on that one kind of you 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 make the resource available um, on your website, which I think is pretty great. Um, it's a quick start, right? But it's not just you, you get everything you need in that quick start. Yeah, it's all the rules, yeah. basically, in a way. Yeah. And, and if you buy the book, you have all of the rules you need on the second last page. Right. There's a summary with all the rules you need. Hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you, 
if you need that, uh, oh, will the trap trigger or something like that? Uh, you need to make that up on your own and maybe roll a, a d6. And if it's a six, the trap triggers or something like that. We, we do not have those rules in the book. No. Um, but, but like, uh, uh, because you mentioned D&D uh, &D there, I mean, I think, you know, the, this is true for every game in a way. I think uh, sometimes new and also seasoned players forget that, that every rule is just optional. It's just, you know, stuff that you make up. You're just sitting around the table and playing make-believe. So, <laughs> you know, if you if you don't like a rule, you don't skip it or invent something else. And, and I know a lot of people do that. But. Yeah, and we, uh, uh, we uh, I've heard both uh, kind of perspectives that it's it's not a good game if you're an, you know new into tabletop role playing games but i've also heard that it's a very good game if you're new into tabletop role playing games mm. i'm not yeah i don't know <laughs> I, maybe i don't know uh, we, we, we do not explain what a role playing game is or what a d6 means or d66 means we do not we we doesn't we do not explain that in the core book, but yeah, no. no. I I like that you don't. It, it, you have a the book has a, and you know, by association, you have a respect for the players that are looking at this book, right? If yeah. at this point, if you're buying this book, you probably know what a D six is, and if not, you'll find out. And there's also a little bit of exclusive feeling to it. You know, if somebody who's not familiar with tabletop gaming at all were to crack this book open, it may feel like they just, you know, uh, went to found a book buried underneath a rock in Thailand, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, cracked it open. What the hell is this thing? So it feels it feels very, oh, my God, I found this amazing, crazy uh, thing. And oh, yeah, by the way, it's a game. And what, what does all this mean? And you kind of have to interpret it yourself. Which is a, it, a lot of games have a tendency to go, okay, well, let's talk about what a tabletop game is and like what role playing is, and here's your dice, and this is how many a D6 has, and all of that. And it's, it's a lot of waste. I feel like it's a lot of wasted words, but I understand why they do it because they're explaining to, to new players and experienced players alike. Yes. I kind of feel like it's a. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, uh, I have been talking quite a lot. So you go ahead. You want. No, I think I was just thinking now uh, that. Like sometimes I think role playing game uh, publishers are a bit un like not insecure isn't the right word but you know like you have to like you have to know or you, think you, that your you game have is... to have that first chapter with what is a role playing game. No, I don't think it, you need yeah, exactly. I don't think you need that. Yeah, and like because yeah. if you look at say a board game, you know they usually don't spell out what is a board game. You just <laughs> you're supposed to figure that out and. I, I, I bet you if you buy a role-playing game book, someone in your group will know what a role-playing game is. And they and will tell you about it. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. So, yeah. That was the idea, at least. And, yeah. I, yeah, and I think that and that uh, uh, was the situation for us. It's, of course, that uh, uh, when people open the book, they are... Uh, hate or love uh, the, mm. the art stuff going on and mm. uh, we were a bit surprised that 
there are not too many haters. <laughs> now there are a few, but yeah. yeah, a few, yeah, but always will be. Yeah, but uh, then af after a while, you discover that okay, there are some words in here, and there's a system <laughs> going on, there's a setting, and stuff like that. And uh, if you're not, if you do not know what the role-playing game is, maybe uh, one design goal was to skip that chapter and uh, uh, make, yeah, like you said, um, that uh, uh, go ahead and discover what the role-playing game is, <laughs> kind of feeling. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we're in the, we're in the, it's 2020, right? So we're in the age of Google and exactly. yeah. you can figure that out. And, and it's also from a, from a production standpoint, but printing, you're saving on printing costs. You're saving like that is, that means there are more pages and more room for content, like that true <laughs> real content that matters than the, you know, first, you know, five paragraphs that most people skip if they've heard of a tabletop game before. Yes, and if if we if we go back to the music kind of uh, analogy, approach, uh, it's not like uh, Dark Throne or Mayhem. Yeah, have a have a chapter in the booklet before the lyrics, but explaining <laughs> what. <laughs> no, exactly yeah. right. Yeah, you, you put on the record and listen to the music and. Do whatever you want to do with this uh, music, <laughs> and uh, there's uh, lots of hate and lots of love going on in the black metal scene. And uh, I guess it's the same with this game. Uh, put, uh, read the book and do whatever you want to do with it. You can burn it, also. Yeah, exactly. We encourage Which, that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it says it. It says it actually in the book explicitly. If you're once you finish the what is it? Once you finish the prophecy, the world has ended. All of the characters are dead. Then, then yeah. burn this book. And some people have actually done that. I yeah. too, I respect that immensely. <laughs> I do people too. Do that. <laughs> yeah, yes, because, because you want uh, people to buy a new book, so you get more money. <laughs> <laughs> of course. In, in fact, in fact, if it, it we finished our one shot last night it was a one shot and that's it there's we're not going to play those characters no. again maybe maybe the players might actually be like oh my god yeah. i want to play these guys again but that's about it right i'm going to play this game again with a completely new set of characters and a completely new storyline um and you know what i'm going to do i i i think i think i'm going to burn this bad boy and yeah, buy another yeah. Well, you don't, you don't have to, but you know, I think <laughs> what, you, uh, you know what you should do. You should, you should if, um, if if you had any mysteries happen, you should just keep that number. You know, you should keep it. You know, it's just building, so it's the same continuous world, but different uh, characters yeah, in it. That's like really a, like a cycle. I love that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, person, yeah. personally, I think I love I love the artwork on on Merkborg, as a lot of people do. I mean, obviously, you're you're winning awards on not just the system and the setting, but also the more also the the artwork in it as well. Um, it's got the very specific inclusion of of bright colors contrasted, you know, with with dark compositions. Um, how long did it take you to come up with the visual language of Merkborg? Oh, it was. It took a while, actually. I think, but uh, a while for us. I think it was maybe a month or so. But uh, at, 
at the beginning it was supposed to be just a scene a print on demand thing and yeah. so that's that's where kind of the aesthetic came from we wanted to you know tap into that sort of design language and i don't know i have a bunch of old sketches and old versions of the book uh, on my computer that does not look anything like this but I don't know, yeah, I think it was maybe a month or so until I found this. And it, I think it started by me just downloading a bunch of public domain images and old like medieval wood wood uh, what was called wood cutting. Wood cuts, and, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And Renaissance paintings. And some of them are still in the book. And I just took them and started to draw on top of them and try to mix them with weird typefaces and colors to see what happens. And Yeah. But you yeah, and you told me that uh, yeah. When I saw those first pictures uh, for some pages, mm. you said that uh, this is good, but I, I think I can do this better myself. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and it was that kind of thing going, it was on, just, going on as well. Yeah. I was just waiting for something to click, I think. I just want to find something. I didn't know what it was until I had it in front of me. But yeah, you needed you needed the, the twin headed basilisks to to work exactly. to whisper in your ear and kind of get the muses to to connect the points. Exactly, here. I wanted Necrobel to whisper in my ear. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it's very it's very Dada too, right? Like the, like was that purposeful? Have you were you inspired by Dada at all? Oh well, I was inspired by it, sure. Um, and I was looking at like. Like the old, you know, Kada and stuff like that. Um, especially some of the pages where the headlines are sort of like mixed together with the, with the body text and the tables and everything. And uh, it, it, it's it's an experiment, this whole thing. Like we didn't know if it would work or not really in the end. And I think because we had nothing to lose in a way, we, we could afford to do the book like this. Because at the time we knew who we were and so... If it would bomb, then so so what? Yeah, you know, and then it would be even more punk rock because then it would be kind yeah. of in in if it, if it didn't do as well um, uh, off the rip, I ha I have a sneaking okay. suspicion that it would still build a cult following. Maybe, yeah, who knows? <laughs> so but sure. In terms of in terms of content itself, right? The the lore is is kind of light, just like the rules. Um, but I want to I want to talk a little bit about the development of that, like what, developing the lore. Uh, what was what was involved in developing the lore, and specifically the prophecy on page seventeen? <laughs> I think the we didn't have a setting at first. We, it was just a rules system and a bunch of monsters and classes, right? And so, I think I asked you, Pelle, do, do you think we should have a setting, perhaps, for this? <laughs> I said, yeah, and my first answer was. Uh, oh, setting? Are you kidding? Uh, and uh, uh, I said uh, maybe after a few days that okay, I write the setting. Mm. <laughs> and uh, I, I think I wrote the setting quite fast because somehow it was in my head when I did the rules on the monsters. Mm. So it I, uh, I was able to write it down quite fast. So I think I wrote. I think I wrote this setting in two days or something. Oh wow! So it's already. It was already. Uh, it was already um, 
kind of knocking around in your head? It was it was something that we, you were you were already kind of thinking about, or was it something that you were inspired by? No, I wasn't too inspired by anything except from music. Like, uh, yeah, it was more music in uh, going on, like Bathory. Yeah, it was uh, the um, Antelia in the Kyrgyz country, the ice. Mm -hmm. Uh, a woman going on there, uh, <laughs> taking off the heads of uh, hmm. guys that want to marry her. Uh, that was Bathory. Yeah. Uh, and it early, was early Bathory. Early Bathory. That's very important to mention. Good, yeah. good value date. Very important. <laughs> uh, it was the early Bathory before the, the Viking. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, totally. Yes, so it that made the first four albums. You know that, I think. Uh, uh, very important. That was in my head, and that was very important to have that. Uh, and I think that's important for maybe every fantasy writer to have that country in the north. <laughs> the cold north, frozen north. Like that, uh, that's going on in the Games of Thrones and uh, other kind of uh, fantasy mm. setting as well. But uh, also... Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, what? No, no, I think, because uh, I remember I was, um, I was listening to a podcast about uh, the prophecy of uh, Nostradamus and... I think we that that's where the the first idea of the prophecy and the end of the world came, and some of the actual like phrasings of the some of uh, his old prophecies, uh, Nostradamus, is still in the the prophecy that we have in the book. Oh, interesting. So some of them are yes. actual paraphrases, and and so yeah, we we just said why not just uh, kill this world? I, I don't think I've seen that happen to a world before. That you unapologetically yeah. just end the world. Uh, there's a lot of post-apocalyptic games and everything, but no, what I've I'm aware of at least, you know, pre or during apocalyptic games. Yeah, that's that's I mean, one of the I things. Mean, it's, uh, it's kind of basic things that yeah. I wrote into the setting. It was very important with the forest and the churchyard and the ruin kind of state that grift in the book and it was a baroque king in the westland country uh, in uh, uh, Schleswig Schleswig uh, was very important and uh, some mountains in the west and unknown sites beyond the mountains so it's kind of basic actually but that's uh, and I mean, it's yeah. it's basic just the tropes, but I think the way it's flavored and the way it's described is a different thing. So, and I, I, I no, I've said this on another uh, in another interview sometime, but I, I think the idea of these standard tropes are are aren't necessarily bad because that means you can you know plug into you can add yes. your own stuff onto uh, it. That was what that was uh, that's very true, and it was. Mm -hmm. I really wanted all those things in in the in the setting, and uh, the mo but for me, <laughs> uh, 
the most important or for me personally is the Krellot island and it's only mentioned in a class I if I remember correctly. I think Some of the, the if you yeah. if you roll that result in one of the classes, you were born on the Krellot Island, and you know it's it's kind of maybe Swedish kind of ritual thing going on there. But it's you know like midsummer and stuff like that, and also the old mov movie from '73, Wicker Man. Yes. <laughs> um, yes, two of my two of my favorite movies. The yes, with Christopher Lee, that mm. island is only mentioned in one sentence. But this is the island. This is the uh, island. Very on, important for me. This is yeah. the island on the on the lake. Uh, no, it's. Uh, I think it's uh, south of uh, on the south in the southern part of uh, the endless sea. I, yeah. think it's east, I think it's east of Grift. It's the I looked it up now. It's it's um, result number five on the occult arbuster class. It says that you grew up uh, on the heretic Isle of Krelut, two nautical miles east of Grift. That's east like, of Grift. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's. Uh, I, I don't remember what what I have been writing, but yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. It doesn't matter where that island is, but. The yeah. island is very important, and maybe it will uh, uh, be more explained in the future. I I, I love yes. I love when there's um, little seeds that inspire great potential of adventures for players and GMs, but not just for them, but also for 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 you as as a game developer. Um, I like the idea <laughs> that you put these little things, these little kind of Easter eggs sitting in this game, in this book that can be, that can be utilized, you know? Um, yes. The, the, the shadow King only having one air, one proper air. Um, yeah. What about the others? And this is what my game last night was, was inspired by. What about the bastards? You know, and I'm sure that there, <laughs> there were plenty at the end of the yeah. world. When you know for sure that the world is, is going to end, People mm. act very uh, primally. Of course, yeah, sure. So this I mean, game, this game encompasses that, which is is, and, and I love that you guys did that. It's a funny thing, also, like uh, not to spoil the starter adventure, Rot Black Sludge, uh, but the a, a son of the Shadow King uh, is a part of that adventure, and I think the way that the Shadow King is described in the setting material. Uh, differs a lot from how he is actually, you know, if he manages to lose his only idiot son, and maybe he isn't this great, you know, <laughs> demonic creature. Maybe it's just a, you know, a sad old king with no kingdom. <laughs> so it's it's kind of a, like an, uh, you know, unreliable narrator as well in the entire book. It's so. almost as it feels a lot like the descriptions of people and places come from like prophecy itself or, or forgotten notes or drunken descriptions by a, you know, half passed out Cretan. Yeah. Not too far from the truth. <laughs> <laughs> so Pele, you, you developed, um, um, uh, bark Oxen, the bark, Witch, um, which seems yes. from the translated descriptions that I've read is kind of, kind of like, it, it's kind of like a, a, a folk horror game. If, if I'm not mistaken, um, because again, mm -hmm. most of the most of the descriptions that I found were all in Swedish, so I had to use Google Translate. 
and it probably didn't do that well of a job. But can you can you tell a little bit more about what the Bark Witch is about? Uh, that is, uh, like you said, it's Nordic uh, uh, horror setting, uh, and more. Uh, uh, yeah, it's the northern part of Sweden kind of setting. Uh, out in the woods. Um, it's in modern times, you know, there are cell phones and stuff like that. And uh, uh, you might have been studying on the university of uh, in the, in the uh, northern part of Sweden, University of Umeå and stuff like that. And uh, it's very... Um, like all my games, it's kind of rules light, and I was inspired by uh, the game Lasers and Feelings. Maybe you've seen that. It's a one-page uh, uh, role-playing game, uh, and uh, so yeah, it's um, maybe you have seen the movie Rit the Ritual or Ritual. I it's have, called. yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, I think it's been on Netflix and other streaming channels. And so, yeah, it's Nordic horror in the out in the woods. It's kind of like uh, Blair, lot, Blair lots, Witch, of, uh, lots of folk folklore going on, like you said. And uh, mm. uh, uh, that with that game, I got to know Johan because I made some kind of generator i think and uh, i asked for some di uh, dice dice results and you uh, answered the third question and then he said that uh, you know i can make some illustrations for this game if you want mm. and i said uh, yes no, I I remember specifically that I texted you and said I have to work on this. I have to be involved. With this. Okay, yeah. I said, this is so awesome. Like, you know, you don't have a you don't have a say in this because uh, I was oh. so inspired by the writing and the, the the generator material and everything. So yeah, it's a very short book. I think it's like uh, thirty five or forty pages. Mm, I mean, the, the the game I was inspired by is only written on one page, but. Uh, I uh, expanded that and uh, made lots of other generators, and it's like 40 pages with uh, yeah, a monster section and or creature creature setting is more mm. appropriate. And uh, yeah, so that's uh, we have uh, we have yeah. It's a fun game. It has a very it's a small but dedicated following in Sweden. And, yeah, uh, but it's selling out all the time. That's, that's I mean, fun. Uh, it's uh, as of now it's print on demand, and I print out like fifty books and se send it to uh, a game shop in uh, Stockholm and Gothenburg and Malmo in Sweden. And then after a month, they say we want fifty more books, and that has been going on for two years. Oh so, wow! Like, yeah, I guess that's it's amazing. yeah. And it's only it, it, gotten like one one review that kind of hated it. <laughs> that people <laughs> keep buying it and keep playing it. That's pretty fun. Yeah. Good I, I was immediately so, pulled in for two reasons. Number one, um, it, obviously the de the developer of Merkborg releasing a game that I haven't heard about. I got to know about it. 
Um, yeah. And number two, it's got the word Haxan in it, which is one of my favorite uh, silent films of all time. And so yeah. looking at it and kind of translating some of the descriptions of the game, uh, or some of the some of the uh, I think it's like the two, maybe two or three different places on the internet that actually talk about it. Um, it seems very very interesting to me, and I am curious as to know if there is a maybe a plan to translate this for um, us English speaking folk. You know, we we've been doing like twenty interviews or something like that since the release of Merborg. No one has been asking about that game. <laughs> <laughs> really? It's, it, That's it's, true. It's, I, I'm uh, really happy that you ask. Oh, thank you. Uh, it's uh, amazing. That's that's. Uh, it's really you know making my heart warm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the word in English, but uh, it's uh, yeah. So thanks. For that question, of and course, yeah. of course. Don't worry, I won't. Yeah, I won't. Re- I won't ruin your. I won't ruin your reputation of being a uh, a cold-hearted yeah. son of a gun. <laughs> no, but uh, uh, I've I've talked to you on quite a lot about this and, uh, and asked um, like uh, we need to make a translation of Barkexan into English. And uh, yeah, you want to say no? You have you you said like uh, the witch will have her times somewhere in the future, <laughs> something like that. You can't, yeah, exactly. You can't tell the you can't tell the bark witch what to do. Like you just have to wait and see until she knocks on your window. Uh, yes, I I really like to. Uh, I, I want to translate this into English. Maybe expand it a little bit with some new tables and some. A cup. We have a couple of scenarios and maybe write a, a couple of more scenarios and uh, translate it in, into English. But uh, so that's. I really want to do that. But uh, and but as of now, we are. Drowning in Merkborg fix. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. I, I gotta say, I would, I would be so excited um, if you, if that is a road that you were to go down. Um, and I'm just gonna put it out there: if you, if you do need, if you do need help making making that come true, I would be more than happy to to do whatever we can to help connect people and resources or what have you, because that would be really cool. But I completely understand that Merkborg has has is a, is a very greedy child that needs the attention of its parents it's a bastard, um, bastard child definitely <laughs> <laughs> like we don't have time for it but it keeps you know bawling you know, yeah. <laughs> but but the we, thing haven't, is, uh, we haven't no, even been able to uh, d- work on official stuff for Merkborg too much it's been no. uh, you know this side projects uh, Mark Borg cult things, uh, all uh, it's uh, a queue there, so we haven't been able to <laughs> working on official stuff. Yeah, no, we so have, we we have a lot of stuff. Uh, we don't uh, have to, but I think we want to maybe. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, when the when the when the Bark Witch um, 
awakens from the dark wood and screams yes. in the night, you'll hear it. Oh, you yes. Will. Yes, Definitely. you will. So, uh, no Johan, you, you've worked on, on other Free League games. As far as I understand, you worked on Symbarium mm -hmm. and Mutant Year Zero. But, uh, first of all, Free League is, is Free League and is one of my absolute all-time favorite um, uh, publishers. It's, it, it's how I found uh, Merkborg. Is because I'm just such a fan of theirs. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, so it's pretty cool that you're that that you you're working on so many different things um, for them. And Vampire the Masquerade is one of Gehenna Gaming's as a as a company, one of our favorite, uh, <laughs> one of our favorite games of all time. Um, so you worked on uh, you Vampire the Masquerade. I'm going to make the bold assumption that it was V5. Um, it was. It was. Yeah. Perfect. As as a graphic designer, <laughs> now I know I've... that I know that there's some some. Um, there are some some interesting, I guess, associations between Free League and V5, only because my version of the book has the Free League logo, but no other additional information about Free League. And a bunch of my associates don't have that same um, same symbol. So oh. I'm not going to ask you about the details of all of that. But what I do want to ask is what pages within the V5 core book can I open up and, and see your art? Oh shit! <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I even have that book here. Uh, the thing, the thing with Vampire was that I was um, I was freelancing for uh, Free League, and I think Free League helped White Wolf do the layout of the book. Uh -huh. So I was, you know, the graphic design that I did was merely just layout work, basically. Oh, you did. Oh, you did. You did a lot of the layout. That's great. I, I did layout, and I and I didn't like decide uh, typefaces or grids or anything like that. That was. Mm -hmm. uh, I think uh, either either if it was Christian Ganot or if it was um, Arf, uh, Thomas Alfred. I don't. I'm not sure exactly who did that, but yeah, I was uh, like a uh, yeah, just doing layout. That's so awesome. I I don't know exactly which pages. I'm sorry, but uh, uh, well, let's say let's say all of them. The layout is amazing. Exactly, pretty much all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I that's something. I'm uh, my background is in marketing and graphic design myself. I have a double major in both. And oh, um, I, I apologize. Yeah, here, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> My life is hell. <laughs> but uh, the working with it, working with a competent um, marketing director that can make those those kind of bigger decisions is extremely important. But the people that are actually doing that layout work, I mean, having an orchestrated effort to have a beautiful layout in a book like that is is pretty commendable. Mm. No, I, I I can't really take any credit for that. I have to say because I was I was at the bottom of the hierarchy there, just doing the pages. But um, because you mentioned the uh, Simarum, that yes. that's that's a game where I more decided things and like was in charge of the graphic design and the whole well art direction, but not Martin's art because he did his own thing. But the way that we presented the content and everything, and that was the first uh, role playing game books that i made uh which was very um i learned a lot doing those books yeah and that's a that's a really cool one too the design the design itself in Symbarium. i have not played it and i really really want to um it's one of the games that we're currently orbiting to try to see if we can maybe have an actual play on our stream or something but uh the feeling of the book uh the look and the feel and the tone is mm. is very very cool it's a, it's a pretty fun world, and it's a nice, very rich and uh, detailed world. It's, it's kind of the opposite to Murkbori in a way. Yeah, yeah. 
described it is, and it's very well written. But um, but yeah, that was that was very. Um, I learned a lot from doing the book, and I studied a lot of uh, graphic design in um, uh, other role playing game books to kind of see how they worked and what the different you know traditions and tropes and styles are and why they look the way they do, why they function the way they do. And those same sort of patterns and rules we try to get away from when doing Merc Boy. So it's been a wild ride of doing all kinds of stuff. Yeah, uh, it, it, you kind of shattered those rules. <laughs> yeah, I tried to work. Tried to see what would happen, you know. But as a as a graphic designer who has um, had people say, "Hey, can you make this pop more?" or um, <laughs> "I don't like the red. Can you make it more red?" You know, those types of of graphic design directions from from clients and and clients, bosses. Yeah, yeah, like this book is. Uh, chef kiss you know it's like ah <laughs> you're breaking all the rules and it's it's so it's 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 delicately uncomfortable but compositionally perfect i love it so much oh, because, thank you. yeah you're welcome and i think it's really i think it's really cool that you you got to have a project that that kicked off so well where you got to kind of you know thumb your nose at at typical i guess uh a typically accepted um composition and and, and layout especially in tabletop I mean, I work as a graphic designer by day uh, with, you know, clients and, uh, re- <laughs> you know, real projects and everything. So this was very cathartic for me to do <laughs> when I got back home. Uh, so, yeah. It's so fun. I want to talk a little bit about, because you mentioned it earlier, there's some some uh, Kickstarters and community projects and, and that kind of stuff. And there's com- coming down the pike and, and one in particular that just kicked off, uh, which is the, the uh, Putrescence Regnant Music Project, the... Uh, yeah. vinyl and, and music um the music compilation and dungeon crawl correct yeah or bug crawl it's a it's an op- overworld crawl with some dungeons or mini dungeons scattered in it so yeah now how many That's... people were involved in the development of this Ooh, quite a few actually it's uh so there's me and pella and yep. there's um, the two two guys from uh, Games of Nibirus, and there's uh, Exalted Funeral, and we have you know Moonwreck Conspiracy. Uh, we have Brian who does the uh, who transforms our Swinglish to real English, and <laughs> <laughs> Greg Saunders is doing the thing, and then we have Wayne June doing the narration on it. So it's quite the team actually who's doing it. Um, and it'll, it'll be fun. It's a, it's very like different. Just as the, the first Merc Boy book is a quite different project for all of us, I think, uh, to do both music and text. It goes uh, hand in hand. It goes hand in hand with gaming too. You know, I mean, as as a as a, a game master, you come up with with you know, what music fits with my whatever, and players yeah. will come up with a playlist. And this is. It's it's cool. It, it's cool that you guys are working on this. I know a lot of us um, Morkborg fans are very excited about it. And it's kind of fun because like it's a it's a vinyl record, and we didn't expect. Yes. Like it's, it sounds it sounds a bit you know cliche to say that we, that we didn't expect the uh, the success, you know. But we didn't for this type of project because it's such it's still kind of niche in a way with yeah. the vinyl. But I don't know. People seem to dig it, and uh, it'll be fun as hell to see it um, printed. 
is there is there any is there any future of maybe a, a possibly a cassette project? Because I know just being a fan of of black metal myself, uh, I am a vinyl collector, and and I know that there is a my my fellow black metal fans tend to collect cassettes for whatever reason. Uh, but that is also another niche thing where you'll have limited run cassettes. I think uh, yeah. I the last band that this year. I think we I think we lost Bel Air maybe. Oh, I'm here. Oh, you're alive. Okay. Uh, you've been you've been talking layout and design. And oh, I, <laughs> so that's yeah. That's correct. <laughs> um, but we did um, we did do a cassette actually uh, when we first kickstarted <gasps> the book. You did. Yeah, we did a cassette with. Yeah. Um, it, it was like that. We made a top tire, and that was sixty-six top tires limited. Tires, yeah. We we and. Uh, uh, so we did that, and that was with that uh, tape uh, high guys in Italy called Heimat the Catastrophe. Um, they have very limited <laughs> kind of tapes in all the time, and they they are always uh, sold out. So we have it, but that's not metal music. That's a dungeon synth or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah, kind of going back to the, the Mortis kind of sound. Yeah, exactly. So it's very adjacent in a way, but... That's so cool. I did not. I did not know that you had a that you had a, a cassette um, a cassette tier for for the original kickoff or um, Kickstarter. That's sure did. Yeah, that's, that's, that's it's so on dope. Bandcamp as well. If you uh, uh, the, the tracks are for free on on their um, uh, Bandcamp page. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm at the catastrophe. You can go there and listen to them. And uh, every now and then they. Uh, produce uh, some tapes and then they sell out in one or two hours mm, yeah. uh, like like all their other tapes as well uh, so yeah. i'm going to i'm actually going to place a link in the description of this of this episode for a Haima der catastrophe for their band camp so you can check out uh null the is it null yeah, no, null. yeah. Yeah, the 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 cassette, the Merkborg cassette, which you can, and if you don't have a cassette player, don't worry, you can listen to it on Bandcamp. Um, but that's so that's so cool. You guys are so cool. This is such an awesome game concept, and a and a and a. I feel like it, you're you're developing this amazing lifestyle brand that resonates with quite a few people, myself included. So it, it's cool <laughs> that you're doing this kind of stuff. It's it's really gaining a life of its own. Like it's it's growing <laughs> out of hand, to be honest. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see what happens. You know. Well, I understand why you did the uh, the uh, compatible with Merkborg thing. It kind of uh, it took some stuff off your desk for future projects. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, people were still doing things, so this is just a way for us to say, like, yeah, we're fine with it. Like, go ahead. It's just I found a I found a was it a YouTube video or a blog? I don't remember, but there's a guy who's looking at um, tabletop from a business perspective, um, and one of the, I guess his 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 thesis on on you. Um, and specifically on the um, uh, compatible with program that you just released is that oh. it is the smartest business decision that you can make to make lifelong <laughs> uh, lifelong customers of, of anything that you're putting out because essentially you're putting it in their hands that they're you know they feel like part owners too and I think it's really really cool that you did that. Wow! Yes. Wow! Cool! Yeah! yeah cool! <laughs> <laughs> yeah! This is the this is the ass kissing part of the part of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so what I, I I've taken so much of your time already. Um, uh, Pele and Johan, this is, this is so awesome. And thank you so much for, for sitting down with me. And I, I, I hope that one day we can, we can do this again. Um, I want to bring you back on. I want to hopefully maybe one day, um, when you guys have some, some more free time or when you're about to release another project, whether it be another, uh, another game or, or an extension of the, the Mork board game line. If you want to come on our Twitch, I'm just putting the open invite to play the game, run the game, or even just talk about the game. All you have to do is ask. You're more than welcome to. And I just want to give you guys a moment um, to to pitch any any other projects that you want to let people know about and and let people know where they can find you online. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, you can find us on pretty much any social media place that there is. So we got a Facebook, we got a Twitter, uh, Instagram. There's a Discord channel that you are more than welcome to join. Uh, it's pretty awesome. And Right now, as you mentioned, we run a Kickstarter together with Exalted Funeral. It's called Putrescence Regnant. It's a vinyl. Yeah, we talked about it. You know what it is. And so if you, if you want to be a part of that, check it out. You can find us on Kickstarter as well. So yeah, this, this was really fun. And uh, I agree with Palace's sentiment about your about cakes and question. It's really it's very fun to hear her name again. <laughs> yeah, hopefully hopefully I, I dropped a seed in, in both of your heads to be infected by the bark witch yet again. Yeah. Safe, yeah. <laughs> well make sure everybody to to follow uh Merkborg on, on on Twitter. Um you can find Pele and, and Johan on all the social medias, but more importantly, go to Morkborg.com, uh buy the book. Like buy the book, buy two, just in case you want to burn one. Um, join the Discord. Co- join the Discord. Talk to uh, some amazing people. I've already started talking over there to start infecting all of those other people with some of my interesting Morkborg ideas. Um, but if you're interested in 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 supporting um, what these guys are doing, make sure you back the Kickstarter for Putrescence uh, Regnant um, and keep playing Merkborg. And with that, I think we have ourselves a podcast, gentlemen. Awesome. That's a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Gehenna Gaming Podcast. Your attention has been noted. You can find us online at GehennaGaming.com, on Twitter at GehennaGaming, twitch.tv slash GehennaGaming, and patreon.com slash GehennaGaming.